pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. This is our ninth show. Uh, today we have my very good friend, Pastor Gene Williams of Parker's Chapel Free Will Baptist Church here in Greenville, North Carolina. And we are very excited to have Pastor Gene on here today. And Pastor Gene, I'm going to say a few words about you, and then I'm going to say let you say a few things about yourself. But our objective is to bring highly accomplished people onto our show uh, that have even an even more powerful testimony on how they became highly accomplished. And you certainly fit in that category. Uh, what, I want, what I want to say about you first is you are a true Eastern North Carolinian to the core. <laughs> and I have noticed that about you, and I respect that a lot. Uh, when I came here in 1991, which, wow, man, 30 years ago, uh, you know, uh, I am a fan of Greenville, but I was even a bigger fan of old Greenville uh, because Greenville's changed a little bit. But when I came to Parker's Chapel, all I could think about was old Greenville. All those good mm-hmm. old people that I met when I first came here and the feeling that I got and the, uh, the friendship and the, and the warmth and uh you know, it just really reminded me back then. It reminded me also of, of where I grew up mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how people really cared about each other. And that's one of the things that brought me back to, uh, you know, to to pirate land because of that fact. And, you know, I just remember some people at ECU like uh, Rosie Thompson and uh, Bill Carson and then, you know, people throughout the community like, uh, you know, Jeff Foster still around, uh, Jim Muller. Mm-hmm. Of course, Walter Williams, Parker Overton, all those people who have been around for a long time, but uh, just incredible people and uh, people that you want to be around because they have so much character and uh, and have the qualities of people who have grown up here. And uh, I really just got addicted to your sermons and your prayers because they're so impactful. And I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk over the years. Uh, pastor, you know, through athletics, and when I was a Carolina, right. all kinds of important people I, I heard speak. Uh, but hey, man, you're right up there with all of them, and I, I really <laughs> respect, uh, you know, your sermons and your prayers. I really look forward to those all the time, and uh, I'm so excited because I really think we can have an impact, uh, you know, through yes, the sir. podcast. And so, also, as part of being, uh, an Eastern North Carolinian, you were also a true pirate and mm-hmm. uh, ECU grad. And you also played football in high school against Marcus Crandall. I did. Uh, and uh, so tell us a little bit about the young Gene Williams and a little bit about your athletic career and and your family and, and how you got involved in the church. And then, you know, of course, we want to hear how you 
how you got to be the pastor uh, at Parker's Chapel. Yes, sir. Well, one, I'm honored to be with you, Jeff. You know how much I love you as my brother and uh, my friend. And what a man, what a blessing it's been for you and I to connect together in God's plan. And uh, you have helped me so much physically. Um, recovering from two back surgeries now, you've been a great asset, great tool. Uh, encourage me spiritually as I've been trying to encourage you spiritually. And uh, I love that God has opened this door of ministry for you, uh, that you have all this training. You have all this, uh, what we would call, honestly, expertise that you are trying to help people physically, but most importantly, spiritually. And I love you. I respect you. I never, uh, when you, I remember you coming to Greenville uh, in 91, and even then people were talking about you. And uh, I crossed paths with you a couple of times. I never thought I'd be a walk-on with Jeff Connors. So I uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't do it to my 40s. But uh, it's, yeah. it's great to, to, to connect with you like I am. And uh, I'm, I'm an East North Carolina kid all the way through. Have love growing up here. Um, where you mentioned Rosie Thompson. She went to – I went to the same school that she did. I went to Chocolate High School. Uh, and there through school. I went to Chocolate my whole entire life. I grew up on a – uh, small tobacco farm in a little place called Wilmore, North Carolina, which you have to you have to pull out some old maps to find it. Uh, it's really ah. just a community and uh, grew up there. was not super far from West Craven, but I uh, went to school there at Chocolinity. And the neat thing for us growing up in our community, a um, couple of things were emphasized. One was faith. So I was always blessed. The home I grew up in, my parents were godly people who loved the Lord. Um, my two sisters were both great influences in my life in that area. So we were always exposed a lot to, you know, who the Lord, who the Lord is, uh, by grace, knowing him through faith, living for him, that the Christian life was not a burden. It was a blessing. Um, so that, that has been part of my DNA since I was, man, I was breathing life from the Lord. I, I've been connected yeah. to church and God's been good to me. Um, and then the other thing that was, was really key growing up was my family. Uh, we were very, uh, my mom and dad are both from larger families. And so that surrounded me, uh, as a child. And then as you, you grew up in a school like Chocolinity, which is now Southside has been now for about, uh, 20 years. Um, the neat thing about growing up in a smaller high school is the fact that you can, you can play everything. Uh, so we had football. I played football. We had basketball. I played basketball. We had baseball. I played baseball. Um, Marcus and I, uh, knocked heads more than a few times. He was at Roanoke High School, and they had they had come into our conference, the Tobacco Belt Conference, when I was a freshman. So I spent yeah. three years playing uh, Marcus, and a couple of Marcus's best highlights. I'm chasing him down the field. So uh, <laughs> we had a, a big time with that, and I was able to see him some when we were both students there at East Carolina. Very, that was great. He went into the Hall of Fame this past weekend. But um, you know, That's right sweet. now I I get to serve somewhat as a de facto. Uh, chaplain for the Rose football team. And so that's a great program. Will Bland's doing a wonderful job over there. They're sitting at eight and two right now and are, are looking great for the playoffs. But um, so many doors for me have opened from the fact that God has led me in my faith uh, and the decisions that I've made to serve him, that having that athletic part of me, and I, I was not nearly the athlete that the Marcus Crandall was or a Leonard Henry or, or you know, uh, Pernell Griffin, uh, Jeff Carr, none of these guys. I, I was not anywhere close to these guys' levels who are connected with us now in ministry. But love playing the game. Enjoy it. Still still love watching it. Um, probably better in my mind today than what I was in real person. But, you know, time 
time does that to you as it goes on the legend just grows larger uh in your mind at least when i tell my kids stuff it sounds sounds like i was better than probably what i was but i have been able to i've been able to connect with that now i'm telling you man we live that life um i've been able to use that to minister especially here in greenville uh so many ways I, i speak for a number of high schools every year whether it's football basketball or baseball our great mutual friend billy parker uh, we do yeah. a, a thing together where Billy will provide the spirit. He'll he'll provide the physical food, and I'll provide the spiritual food. And it's allowed me to minister at Rose, at Conley. Uh, we've done things with North Pitt, South Central, Green Central. So uh, just have had a lot of wonderful doors uh, open for us. Um, went to ECU straight out of high school in '92. Uh, spent four years there. Was a psychology major. Um, Love those days there. There was a lot that the Lord did in me in those days. I think when you go to a state college like East Carolina and you are, you're a believer in Christ, yeah. um, it's going to challenge you a lot. And you're going to find out who and what you are. And there's somewhat of a, of a spiritual battle there that's like a fire. And either you're going to let that fire purify you or it's going to pull you away. And I'm, I'm thankful that while I was there at ECU, some of the greatest decisions I've ever made for the Lord. Uh, I made there at East Carolina University, and then after that, as I was finishing up, the Lord called me into the ministry, and have been have been faithful serving that that time since '96 uh, when I went to Bible College. And uh, who'd have ever thought when you look at God's plan for your life? And I told the Lord, uh, Coach Connors, I told him I'd go anywhere and do anything He wanted me to do. Didn't matter where it was at. Didn't matter what it was. Uh, when He called me into ministry, and that developed into the pastorate later on. Uh, I'm probably in the one percentile of people who come back, who are called in ministry, who come back to where they're from. And so that's that's been a great blessing. I'm actually Parker's Chapel is my wife's home church. So I'm beyond the one percentile in that. And then to, to be right here at the doorstep of ECU and have had some great ministry opportunities uh, there at the college and connect with people there. Um, I love I love living the purple and gold life. We embrace it. Uh, we represent it in a Christ like way. Uh, you'll find us at every home ball game with 50,000 of our closest friends, and we en- enjoy that there. Here lately, um, we had some tight games, and, and people around me know I'm a pastor, and they're looking at me going, hey, can we pray for this extra point? Can we yeah. pray for this overtime? <laughs> can, we, can we pray for all this stuff? So uh, it, it's been a great journey. Very, very blessed, as I said a moment ago, that God brought you into my life. And uh, it's been an honor to, to call you my brother and my friend, that's for sure. Well, you know, I think a lot about the tradition here and, you know, uh, I didn't even realize that my kids were very young when we moved here. And so they they grew up here because we were here for 10 years uh, right. before I went to Chapel Hill. And, uh, you know, basically they they considered themselves to be Eastern North Carolinians. So, you know, I had to get them back here, get them back home where they felt comfortable and <laughs> Both of them are doing well here. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of course, Bo's a paramedic and fireman here in town, and uh, he's doing a great job with that. But uh, yes. I remember other things, too, like doing the uh, – you won't believe this, but I still have VHS video of me doing the Pepsi <laughs> trademark commercial. <laughs> i got to show you that sometime. I'd you love know, to see it. That's a real laugh right there. Uh, Pepsi and trademark a winning combination here in Eastern North Carolina. So uh, that's right. I still are. <laughs> hey, that was fun. Well, uh, the other cool. thing too is I remember when I first got here is uh, 
I remember telling a friend of mine, uh, Herbert Powell, who was at uh, Hastings Ford, you know, Herbert's passed on, but uh, uh, we were friends. I was like, Herbert, man, you ought to invest in some kind of uh, breakfast place here because the only place here at that time was Waffle House. (laughs) (laughs) And and now I don't know how many there are, but uh, I know it. That that was the truth. And uh, so, you know, getting into. kind of the theme of today and uh i'm really excited about this and i, I got my game face on for this i guess yes, tell you uh because the life of paul is just incredible amen and uh of course you know we admire his courage and, and toughness and resiliency and and commitment and we 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 admire those things you know for everybody yes. but but also you know particularly when we talk to athletes just such a great example uh, but, uh, you know, we, we can talk all day about his life. Um, and of course, you know, you don't know yet that this is going to be a three part series. I didn't tell you that, but you know, <laughs> you know that three now. part sermon, brother. That's right. Got a so point we, for every, we get through, every section. Uh, you know, Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians today. Uh, you know, I'll be real happy, but uh, yes, sir. we'll see how it goes. But I know that the, the world of whoever listens to this podcast is going to greatly benefit. And hopefully we can touch a few people with this. Amen. Uh, so if you would just start out with who, who Paul is, you know, who is Paul and how did he come to the point of, of writing these letters? And then, uh, you know, what is kind of the underlying theme of the epistles, if, if there is one? Uh, you know, I always read about the grace and peace, it seems like, in every one of them. Right. But I'm right. just going to let you uh, go ahead and speak on that. Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. So the Apostle Paul... Um one of the things that defines who he is and why I think this translates in his writings in the New Testament. Um, Paul grew up as a very disciplined Jew. And if you read through, uh, especially some of the books like Philippians, you mentioned Galatians, you see that tenet coming out with him, that discipline was a, a very key part of his life. And he was not just Jew as in uh, ethnic group or how he was born. Uh, he, he was in every way, sold out to the the commandments in the old testament now what had happened by the time the new testament was being written is that even inside of what we would call judaism uh, there had been a gradual shift in what was happening and and what was going on is and it really happened over a few hundred years that when you look at the old testament to the new testament here was the pitfall that had been created and that was basically this that one, the Jews thought that just because they were God's chosen people, that, and that is ultra important for us in Scripture to understand, that that merited salvation with God. That just because they were born a Jew, uh, well, they must be saved. And so they, they had begun to depend upon that, and God had never, ever taught them to do that. And the other thing that began to happen was they started trusting in their works. And so what would happen is, uh, they were taught, and the, and this was important, and, and, it's, and it's a true principle for us today. They were taught as young children to understand the commandments and what we know as the Old Testament, and to live that out. But instead of instead of religion helping them with a relationship, what began to happen was that relationship was lost, and now they're just somewhat doing what we call a checks box, a check a checkbox faith, checkbox Christianity, and yeah. so. Um, Paul is he's a he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's actually when we when we're introduced to him in the book of Acts, um, he is uh, actually when Stephen, who is a deacon, 
Uh, we find that in Acts chapter 7. The church is multiplying and growing. Uh, the apostles are needing other people to help them just carry out the day-to-day ministry. Um, seven Gentile deacons are actually called to do this, that inception of that deacon's ministry. One named Stephen. Stephen later on becomes an, a preacher, an evangelist. And um, at that point, uh, the Judaizers, those who were still just trusting their religion, they were very, very anti-church. Uh, because now when Jesus came, he's preaching grace and he's, he's preaching truth and he's preaching peace and that he's going to be the great atonement for all of our sins. And that really, they were blinded by their religion at that point in time. They actually, though they had waited and waited for the Messiah, they missed who it was. Uh, they had missed it being Christ. So Paul is actually, he's, he's very anti-Christ. He's very anti-church when we meet him in the book of Acts. And yet on the Damascus road, uh, we find out the Lord has already been convicting him. It talks about when the Lord is dealing with the apostle Paul, who is Saul at that point, uh, yeah. when they had their, their confrontation, the Lord mentions to him, and you know, Paul's, or it's actually Saul, is it not hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And the, and the word prick there speaks to uh, what you would use to go to an animal and to kind of maneuver it while you were plowing a field. And what was happening was the Lord was already, before Scripture even showed us this, uh, he was dealing with, with, with Saul. He was working in his heart and his life, and Saul was consenting into the death of Stephen, approving of it. And yet on the Damascus Road, he got gloriously saved. Um, Paul Saul at that point uh, was a member of what's called the Sanhedrin. Uh, it was the ruling council uh, for the Jews there in Jerusalem. He was a very high-ranking man. He was a man of great power, prominence, and prestige. And yet when he came to Christ, that religion then moved over to a relationship. And as, as he truly just surrendered his life to Christ, uh, he, he wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody else uh, yeah. and was a prolific writer, um, was one of the probably, probably the greatest missionary of all time. He takes four missionary trips uh, throughout scripture that we see. And so all the, all the epistles have a driving theme in them of what you said a moment ago. Of, of they all start off with grace and peace. And there's a lot of uh, churches being written to or churches in a certain region. And as he's writing, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to uh, pour faith into that church and the poor trust in that church. And uh, just like the church at Corinth, which was a, oh, wow, it was a very gifted church, but it, it was a very immature church. They were very carnal. They were very worldly. And so uh, Paul is addressing a lot of questions there at Corinth when he writes that letter. Um, and then he comes back and writes second Corinthians where he's really, as they've adjusted their, from their issues, um, he's now reinforcing right in their life. And so uh, just some powerful epistles. We know, uh, you know, we have the prison epistles when he's actually chained up to a Roman soldier. And yet those, those epistles have more to do with liberty and freedom than in almost any of his other writings. We have the pastoral epistles uh, to the Timothy and one, the Titus. And so that theme of, of truth and grace and faith and peace, um, doctrine and duty in the believer's life. You see that into the church at Rome. Uh, just echoes all through scripture. And I, and I know people, uh, many, many people enjoy, and I know you've mentioned this to me one-on-one, reading through the epistles over and over, because right. every time you read them, they're strengthening you, they're reinforcing you, they're pouring into you. So uh, I love the fact that in many of these letters, at some point along the way, he either uses 
uh, an athletic illustration or athletic principle to really illustrate for us what is a spiritual discipline. Um, and I think that makes it easier for athletes, people in that world, um, to see the truth of Scripture and to connect in that way with the Word of God. Well, I want to kind of go to uh, 1 Corinthians, and I want to give you some of my favorites, and then maybe you can expound on, on yes, a few sir. things here. But uh, uh, I really, you know, when, when we talk about spiritual wisdom versus worldly wisdom, uh, can you give us a little bit on that? Yeah. So what what you see is over creation. Uh, we are we're all born sinners, every one of us. I, I met with the guy today, and I gave the illustration to him that if he was my next door neighbor and he had, I said, pick any apple tree or pick any fruit tree you want. He picked the apple tree. I said, so your your tree has ten apples on it, and my tree has a thousand. Which one of us don't have an apple tree? And he's like, well, Pastor, they're both apple trees. I said, so you've got ten sins, and I've got a thousand sins. Which one of us are not sinners? He's like, well, we're all sinners. And so, yeah. you know, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it, it is now in our DNA. We're not going to avoid this, that we are going to be sinners. And we we have a pull in us, that flesh nature, to pull away from what Scripture says in, in the Gospel of John is light, uh, which is truth and, and is righteousness. And so what man does is my, man tries to either take the wisdom that God has graciously given us and man either begins to skew it and turn it and twist it, or man basically severs himself from it entirely. And the Corinthian church, um, as I said a moment ago, that, that church had a lot of spiritual gifts active in it. But um, Corinth was in a, a, a place, it was a, it was a very busy, very large city, almost a metropolitan city that had a lot coming in, a lot going out uh, of people. It was very transient. And so they, they were exposed to all types of wisdom from different culture. And yet Paul shows us that wisdom, true wisdom that comes from heaven is supreme and sovereign over anything else we have in our lives. And so Paul is helping that church begin to pull away from what we will call carnal wisdom and come into Christ-like wisdom. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of questions they're asking that he's answering there at Corinth. Uh, one of the things that was going on in that church, and this is worldly wisdom, is that they were they were actually trying to anchor themselves almost like we would a sports team to different personalities in the church and some were saying well i i'm really a follower of a uh, paul and some were saying well i'm a follower of apollos who was a, a strong yeah. contemporary of paul and then some were saying well i'm with cephas or that's the apostle peter and then others were saying well i'm, I'm of christ and they were and they were factioned off and paul tells the church there when when you have factions among you and you're having friction with each other that that's that's man man's wisdom uh that that's not they're they're all paul apollos uh peter certainly christ we're all in the family of god all with a purpose from god right and so paul had so much there that he was correcting whether it was uh how gifts in the church operated what we need to know about marriage uh what should we do when we have interpersonal conflicts with each other um, and he was showing the contrast of, for example, when he tells us in Scripture, Christian people are not supposed to sue each other. We are supposed to spiritually go to one another, talk it through, pray it through, work it out, and if need be, uh, step away in a personal situation and just take the loss. And so there's a there's a lot of 
you know, things there that Paul is addressing. He, he talks about in marriage. One of the questions they had was, once you're married, should you be having intimacy in your marriage? Um, and what was wrong was in Corinth, they, they had a temple dedicated to uh, the Greek goddess Aphrodite. And you, you find her in other areas of, of uh, mythology anyway. And the, people would go there and worship Jeff at that, that temple. They would pay money and, and they would have sexual relations with the prostitutes. And it would, they had three sets of prostitutes. And one was uh, just men or women on their own. And then you had also a group of women who had shaved their hair and tried to make themselves look like men. Um, they were having a transgender issue there uh, in Corinth. And then you had uh, men who were dressing up like women. They were growing their hair long and bleaching it out. Um, and you could go to this temple and pay money and select whatever you wanted, whatever group you wanted, and have sexual relations. And that was deemed as worship. So in, in the church at Corinth, you have people being saved out of a promiscuous lifestyle, homosexuality, of transgenderism. I mean, Christ can deliver you from all of that, right? But as they were coming into the church, it was almost like, man, they associated that now with sin, and they didn't understand the that this was a, a righteous gift from God meant for a man and a woman and a, a lifelong monogamous marriage. And that was a great gifting of God. And so um, there's so much carnal wisdom out there. And, and when we say that, we don't mean necessarily what you've learned in a university setting. Like, for example, uh, you, you are an expert inside the human body and how it performs and uh, the way it functions. That, that's not what we're so often talking about in Scripture as it is the cultural wisdom that we deal with that pulls man away from God and pulls man towards himself. And that's, that's all through first Corinthians, what Paul is correcting and he's kind of getting us back online. And this is the truth from God. And uh, we don't try to dictate the truth. We let truth dictate to us. And uh, just a, a beautiful book of really um, seeing Christian people restored out of sin and rescued from that is what you find in first Corinthians. Well, <clears throat> temptation's been around for a long time, and uh, spiritual has. warfare Still has been is. around for a long time, and uh, it continues to go on. And uh, it does. I wanted to just give you a couple specific scriptures that you know okay. that I'm that I like. First uh, Corinthians two nine. Mm -hmm. uh, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has partnered. For those who love him, and then uh, uh, two fifteen. This is one of my very favorites that I studied about 25, 30 years ago, and it stuck with me. But he who is spiritual judges all things; yet he himself is uh, rightly judged by no one. And uh, you know, because coaches are judged all the time. All so, the time, yes, and, sir. You know, coach pastors, Cabano, you know, pastors coach can Cabano. be as well. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that, that Pag, Coach Pagano always said was a no self-judgment, you know, so and he's, that was one of his deals too. But uh, uh, but I really like those two scriptures uh, those in Corinthians as well. Great scriptures. I, I love the first one you, you referenced where Paul is, he's, he's telling the church there, when you've given your life to Christ and the Lord has freed you, from all your sin, he's forgiven you of all that. And aren't we blessed to be truly a forgiven people 
through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Um, he's telling them there that we, we don't understand how awesome a script that God has for our lives. And that ultimately that life, that being is going to end up in heaven for eternity. And man, we, we can't fathom eternity in, in, in our human nature. It's just infinite to us. Uh, we think in, we think in minutes and hours and days and years and decades. And yet uh, our lifetime compared to eternity is, is, is like a blink of an eye. And so Paul lets us know that God's desire for us and God's intent for us, though we're going to, we're going to, we're going to face difficulty in this earth. We're going to, we're going to face uh, hardship. We're going to struggle. We're going to sacrifice. That all is part of the life we live here on this earth. We don't understand. We can't see all the awesome things that if we are obedient to Christ and live this out, if we're intentional in our Christianity uh, that are going to develop and that all these things, they're woven together. You know, you think about, I remember you, I was going to say this a moment ago. I remember you coming to Greenville and you got, uh, I never really heard a lot about a strength and conditioning coach, but 91 was an historic year for ECU athletics in that football program. And I remember being a senior in high school, writing on my cleats, you know, we believe and uh, yeah. just just loving loving the whole ride with that. Okay, I didn't know looking at you then, and then really keeping up with you um, through the through the nineties through Coach Logan, who I, I thought so much of. I uh, enjoyed him being our coach. We knocked off so many Power Five teams in that window of time. I I think people forget that historically that we were we were taking care of people left and right, whether it was West Virginia, South Carolina, yeah. Syracuse. I mean, there's there's a there's a litany of people that we were able to knock off back in those days to see you go to Carolina. You had ultra success there. And then to see you come back. Uh, and again, that same narrative follows itself that, well, while you're here, we're, we're knocking off uh power five team, you know, Virginia tech, uh, Carolina. I mean, it's, whenever you beat ACC opponent, NC state, it's a good day. And yet in all of that, me knowing you, who you are, but not knowing you personally, I'd have never dreamed I'd have been a walk-on in your garage. Your that is not a garage, by the way. That's a full-blown gym. Okay, if anybody, anybody's been to Jeff Connors's garage, uh, you, wherever you are with Jesus, when you go in that garage, you can get a whole lot closer because the circuit training you're going to put somebody on, uh, they need to know Christ for the time they were done with that training. What you do, I'm, I, I experienced that personally. Uh, how awesome you are doing that! I've talked to Jesus a whole bunch of times going through that circuit training with you in there. But you, I, I, you know, I'd have never dreamed that you were going to become a brother and a friend and attend our church and be part of our church family. And so you, I mean, you, when you look at it, whether it's the person you marry, the children you're given. Uh, I remember our, our first podcast with Leonard Henry with the L train. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, you know, college success, pro success, or now he's working so well on the school system. We can't even begin to put together. Uh, the awesome things that that uh, we're doing, and uh, so many guys through our Armored Life Ministry that I watched play at Dowdy Ficklin. Uh, yeah. Now we're on we're on the phone texting with each other and praying for each other, and you just never know how God's going to cause these things to blossom and open up in your life. And and the other element of knowing, you know, what motivates us day by day, and 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 part of of coaching. And you said this to me so well. Uh, it, you are judged in wins and losses. Yeah. You know, that that's that's and, and you know that coming into that environment that, that you have to embrace that element. Right. Um, 
and, and coaches that boy, winning solves everything. We know that uh, when you start winning, everything takes on a different feel to it. Um, it can be somewhat that way pastoring, you know, um, pastoring is wonderful. It's glorious. It's a, it's a divine calling that God puts on you. You don't put it on yourself. Uh, it's something you cannot get away from, but you know, it, whether you're coaching or where you're pastoring, you're always dealing with people. Yeah. And, and, and you're dealing sometimes with a lot of great people. Sometimes you're dealing with people who are struggling. Sometimes you deal with people who are discouraging and, you know, people say stuff sometimes and people, I can so sit there at, at Dowdy Ficklin and I can listen. You and I have laughed about this. I can listen to guys talk around me and I can tell whether they've ever strapped on a chin strap or not. They've ever pulled oh, yeah. a helmet because just, just how they speak, you can tell, okay, you mean, he ain't never played a day in his life, okay, uh, or guys at least who keep up with it. So, you know, criticism yeah. becomes a part of our life and we need to be careful that criticism does not create in us cynicism and that everybody's our enemy or always a target. But ultimately what Paul was saying there, and I, I know that you love that verse so well, the fact that God is my judge, honestly, and, and man oh. doesn't know my heart. Another man truly does not understand the motivation or intentions of what I'm doing. And so when I go live my life for Christ, that has to be my aim it has to be my goal. I'm right. living for Christ. Now I don't, I mean, a pastor, you got to preach on righteousness. You got to preach on sin, right? You got to do both. Okay. As a strength coach, you're trying to help guys leave weakness and become stronger physically, right? So there's transition and that transition is growth. And sometimes it's grind. Um, and, and sometimes well, people, people view that negatively or not, not, but ultimately, I mean, we're living for the Lord and no one else. Go ahead, my brother. No, I was just going to say, I, you know, uh, my, my personal career, I, I would be nowhere without God's blessings and forgiveness. Amen. I, I can tell you that right now. Amen. And, uh, I tried, tried as much as I could through my career to remain humble, whether we were winning or losing, not get too high, not get too low, just kind That's of stay right. steady and take it as it comes. And, you know, try to believe that the humility is going to help you to get blessed. And that, that's, that's right. basically where I was with it. I was never a guy who was, uh, I was never on the phone trying to look for greener, you know, greener pasture somewhere. I was just trying to collect a paycheck where I was, do a good job where I was, focus on that and hoped that we would win, you know? So, uh, uh, that, that was basically my perspective in my career, but, uh, blessed beyond belief. Amen. And, um, very thankful for it. And, and that's definitely one of the reasons, uh, you know, that I'm trying to do what I'm doing right now. Um, well, most people, I want to interject something for you there. It's my friend that most, I think only those of us who have had a blessing to be close to, you may know, um, you were not somebody who were, cha who were chasing other jobs. And I don't know if everybody in Pirate Nation knows this, but I, I hope they'll, they'll come to know it, that more than one time, the University of Miami came after you. And uh, you, you chose to stay right here in Greenwood. If you look at that timeline, almost anybody would have jumped there to go to the U and uh, you didn't, you stayed here and you, you kept building something and what you built was a blessing to so many people. And it follows you even to these days now. So I, I totally concur with what you just said. Uh, well, you know, I saw Steve Logan, he was invited and I was invited to uh, Marcus Crandall's hall of fame uh, induction. And I, you know, I was going to go no matter what, you know, Marcus <laughs> invited me. 
And so it was great to see him there. But, uh, uh, you know, Steve was – uh, you know, a big part of any success that I had, of yes. course, and I, you know, I really and vice versa. That's tremendous right. amount of respect for him, and still do. And uh, so, moving on in the scripture, First uh, Corinthians six nineteen. Let's talk about the bodies of the temple because this is the number one challenge for athletes at the collegiate level: is uh, yes. respecting your body, and whether it's alcohol or not, not sleeping or improper nutrition or, you know, uh, drugs, or, you know, getting involved in something else that's destructive to your body. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of choices that you can make yeah. in that category. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the importance of the body as a temple, uh, particularly for athletes. Um, man, and that's, I love the parallels we have in scripture here. Um, so when Paul's talking about the, the body as a temple, part of what he's, he's really Again, if we go back to what we said a moment ago about the temple of Aphrodite that was there, he's drilling into them that we are to, we are to flee fornication. We are to remove ourselves from from that temptation because ultimately yielding to that is going to be ultra destructive in, in every part of your life. And you may not reap it initially, but you'll, you'll reap it in days to come. And so he tells us there, be reminded you're, when you got saved, when you when you came to Christ and the Holy Spirit of God filled you you become that temple. And so, you know, you go back to Adam and Eve and look at how they're created and, you know, they're, they're living to be 900 plus years old. All the patriarchs, except one in the book of Genesis that you find uh, are living 900 plus years. Methuselah lived longer than anybody at 969. And yet yeah. by the time we move through the old Testament, that's now, it, it really began to decrease towards the flood and greatly after the flood uh, that it was 120 years. And yet by the time we move to Psalms with King David, we're understanding, uh, and this has really been what it's been for the last uh, few thousand years, that the average age of a man is 70. Doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to live to it. Doesn't mean that you won't live beyond it. But, you know, Paul told us in the New Testament that um, on one level, that bodily ex exercise profiteth little. But when he says that, he's not saying that there's not great profit in exercise. He is saying that don't, and I think this is a great drive in your life, it's not all physical. And if you're not careful, you, you'll, you'll get off on these and you'll miss the spiritual. The spiritual needs to be maintained first, then the physical. You have a great balance in your own teaching about that. But we, we know this, if we abuse the body, which is the temple of God, what God has created, um, that, that's going to come back. What you sow, you reap. Um, you, you'll see an athlete who has everything in front of him. Uh, he has been given ability and talent from the Lord to not only play at the collegiate level, which only a small percentage do, but really, uh, as you and I have discussed before, people that you've coached, they have the abilities to go off and, and, and play professionally and, and play a, a boy's game in a man's way and make a living doing that. But if a guy gets tied up with, say, marijuana, I know people say, well, that's that's legal now and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, if you read about what it does to you, it's still plenty destructive. Um, our, our guys will get caught up in the trap of alcohol and they'll, they'll greatly diminish their health and their skills, uh, not only in that day, but, but, but later on, or they get tied up and, and live in a, a party lifestyle, which can include the other two, certainly. But, um, you know, it's late night parties, it's women, it's all these things that, that come to young athletes in college who are 
who are soft and popular, and yet you're constantly eroding your body. You're constantly in small ways uh, destroying that. And so I remember Ruffin when he was here, Coach McNeil, that he had there in the team room um, that by hard work, you accomplish the extraordinary. And, and if the, the talented don't work hard, those who do work hard will always beat those great talent. And that was a driving force then of, man, you, you give it everything through hard work, give your best, and uh, you'll be able to defeat people who didn't give it their best, who were more talented. So an athlete has to really, you know, Paul said a lot in scripture about disciplining yourself, uh, yeah. not allowing things to come in that are going to dilute you or pollute you one spiritually, but then, then physically. So, um, we don't worship our bodies, but we do live in them. And so it is, it is, it is a challenge and it's convicting to all of us to try to uh, take care of ourselves. And I've told you before, one-on-one, you don't pass for a man that's your age. You, you look about 10, 12 years younger and <laughs> act younger uh, than what you are. And scripture talks Thank about you. that in Isaiah. <laughs> scripture tells us, hey, you give your life to God and live right, that God will renew your strength like, like an eagle and uh, rise up on those wings and you'll soar. And so, uh, and listen, and not is it true for athletes, it's true for Christians. Um, right. It doesn't mean you can't go out and have a nice meal with somebody. It don't mean that you can't ever go to uh, a Bojangles or uh, let's say, our, 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 again, our friend at Parker's Barbecue. You, you yeah. can't go and eat some meals like that. You cannot eat like that every day and you cannot eat like that all the time. Um, I've learned as a pastor that um, they say that every, every message you preach is uh, – equivalent to playing a, a, a four-quarter basketball game. And so I'm I'm blessed to preach at 8.30 on Sunday mornings, to teach again at 9.30. I go again at 10.30. Um, I'm going again at 6.30 that night. Sometimes I have things at 5. I'm doing twice on Wednesdays. That's not counting any uh, chapels or revivals or conferences or funerals or whatever I may do in a week. And I, and I have greatly learned, especially as I entered into my 40s, um, that to do ministry the way that God has called me to do it, if I don't take care of myself, I can't carry that out like I need to. That's where you've been yeah. such a great encouragement to me. So we certainly, we, we, we address the spiritual first, but we certainly as believers, it is right for us to address the physical, no question, and to keep that as in good a shape as possible. Well, uh, there have been, I remember a few years, and this was also in the 90s where we, you know, we talked a lot about overachievement, gaining right. respect and, and all, taking respect and all those types of things. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was if you take care of yourself, you'd be surprised what you're able to achieve. That's right. And be able to overachieve because a lot of people out there are not taking care of themselves. So uh, uh, that was, uh, I think, an, a little bit of an edge. Uh, because I really believe that a lot of those players uh, had self-discipline where that was concerned yes. during that time period. And <clears throat> so uh, that's always something that you respect in a young man or young woman who's in athletics is if they have self-discipline. And what I want to ask you is, you know, you have either one or two daughters in college, or is it one now? I have one, I have one daughter in college and one daughter who's a senior in high school. Okay. So – in them moving to the collegiate level, uh, what was your plan? What is your plan? How do you prepare them to make <laughs> uh -huh. the right decisions? 
Oh man, that's a, that's an excellent question. By the way, I think you and I have talked about this a bunch. What you said about discipline. A disciplined man is a free man, is he not? Oh yeah. And uh, you you've often quoted that to me. So the Lord blessed me and my wife Leslie. We have uh, a daughter who's a junior in Bible college right now, and uh, a school up in Wendell, North Carolina, called Southeastern. There's a seminary that's a Southeastern, and there's a college, and so uh, faith is there and studying education. And then my daughter, Grace, is a senior at Greenville Christian Academy here in Greenville. And my son, Jonathan, is a freshman uh, there at this at the school. And um, we have a lot of kids in our church who are public school. I was a public school graduate. My wife's a Christian school graduate. Uh, this whole preparing your children thing, uh, and you know this already on your end, one, and anybody listening and watching, if you've got small kids, I cannot emphasize to you how fast this moves with them uh the days are long but the years are short I, I cannot believe um that i have a junior in college and I, and I can remember uh faith was blessed faith was very strong academically um she was a valedictorian of her class and so so thankfully she's like her mama not like her daddy so uh faith had a lot of offers from a lot of places a lot of full rides to um places like western carolina and apps y'all all but had a full ride to Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, and she really felt the Lord leading her to go into ministry and train at a Bible college here at Southeastern and, and go into Christian education. And there's so much of uh, giving your life to Christ, being real in your everyday life, living for him, knowing how to say yes to the right things, being able to say no to the wrong things, that understanding that there is no success in life. Uh, without sacrifice, um, yeah. Faith was Faith was a volleyball player, soccer player. Grace is volleyball. She's right in the middle of, of playoffs now. Uh, basketball, soccer. Jonathan plays all three as as well um, with baseball there for him. And you know, you you cannot succeed without struggle, and that the struggle really is given to you by God to help prepare you. You know, even your failure, even when you feel like uh, you fall short in some area, and we all do. Yeah. We all have areas that we're going to fall short in. Uh, to be resilient, your faith makes you resilient. Um, and, and to understand that, you know, you need to continue to grow and, and move beyond. And, and, and adversity is a tool from God that he uses, and, and not just to be resilient, but to be responsible. Uh, I remember so well, and of course, you've been through this stage already. I've just entered into it. Um, I'm, I'm sitting I'm, I'm sitting there watching my daughter faith who um if people know me know that uh faith was a, a premature baby she we didn't even get to our third trimester with her um oh. leslie had leslie had severe acute preeclampsia um very when when faith when leslie went to the hospital the doctor told me he said if you if you take either one of them home with you you're gonna be a blessed man and uh faith was a pound and nine ounces when she was born Wow. Uh, 12, 12 and a half inches long, 103 days in the NICU. And uh, she is my walking, talking miracle. And all that me and Leslie poured into her, uh, raising her for the Lord, raising her in church, uh, you know, having great family around her, great friends. Uh, I can remember the morning that she's getting ready to go to Bible college and we've got her packed up and got her car packed up. And she's she's in the bathroom getting ready. And I'm sitting on the bed and I just all of a sudden, uh boy my eyes my eyes my oh, eyes yeah. started sweating hard jeffrey uh 
And I'm thinking, Lord, hey, how did we get to her being 18 and 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 launching out? That's what scripture talks about with our children, that we are to Psalm 127, 128, um, yeah. how we raise them, how we aim them, and that they're like arrows, that we are to aim them to the Lord and release them uh, to him. Yeah. And so there, there was so much that we were, we're pouring into faith now. She's not far from transitioning her career. Grace is now on the doorstep of this. So there, there's so much about... Um, be who you are, be the person Christ created you to be, uh, be willing to work hard, be willing to sacrifice, say yes to the right things, no to the wrong things, be, re be resilient, be responsible. Um, and then you have to trust God from there. Yeah. Um, you got it. You got to Parenting will make you pray more than you ever imagined. Um, right. so it's, it's been a great journey for those two girls to see them become young ladies, young women, and, uh, have a son who, who's, trailing quickly behind them and so uh we've really tried to be intentional on how we've loved them and how we've led them well the devil paused you for a short period right there but uh i think we got it all and <laughs> okay. uh, you know I'm, that's one of the things with these podcasts that i've learned is i'm i'm fighting a spiritual battle technically but but, but we're winning hey. Yeah, brother, yeah. we have we have a church sound system and media program we know what you're talking about so it's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, a couple more things for Corinthians. I don't know how, you know, what we're going to get through today, but, uh, we got about 10 or 15 more minutes, but the other thing was, uh, first Corinthians 12, 12. I want to mention, uh, uh unity yes, and diversity in one body. Yes, sir. Uh, so man, aren't we glad we're all not like each other? Um, oh yeah. Boy, I was, <laughs> I was talking to a, one of our new, or one of our new families this week and they were discussing things with me and they, they asked me a question about racism. And how we look at that biblically and, and they're saved and they just want to know what scripture said about that. And I, I took them back to Adam and I said, man, we all come from Adam. We all come from Eve. We're all we're all one race. We're all uh, mankind. And then you go to Noah, which uh, we all we all come from Noah as well. And uh, history sons. OK, yeah. uh, so you, you, you run through the fact that God is so good that whether whether you come from the African bloodline, whether you come from the Asian bloodline, you come from the European bloodline, because those three really are inclusive of, of all of humanity. Man, our, our differences are not meant to divide us. Yeah. They're meant to unify us, right? We all bring something uh, to the table. And so uh, whether we're from Ham, Sham, JPeth, Whatever bloodline we may be in, and listen, they, those bloodlines all cross each other historically at some point in time. Um, we all make up the body of Christ. We can't all be the eye. We can't all be the ear. We can't all be the elbow. Um, and that what, what Christ intended in every way was not that our, our differences would push us apart, but really our differences would cause us. And you always come back to this theme as a Christian to um and i very much pastor this way you you love people you love people as god loves people you you give that love you give that honor you give that respect um then you learn each other and, and your differences there are things that honestly you know you're from pennsylvania i'm from north carolina there's a lot of things that we're similar in uh i have tobacco farming in my family you got coal mining in yours but yet those two things, though different, allow us allowed you and I to connect even more from high school football on and the, and the way that we're raised. So, in the body of Christ, you're not, you're not looking so much for uniformity 
as you are unity. And we are united yeah. underneath the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The, the, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. Doesn't matter if you're, again, if you're, you would be deemed as African, Asian, European, we are all in need of the same Savior, and his name is Jesus. And so we are to take what defines us as men or women and to bring that in the body of Christ, yield that to the hands of the Lord, and then let, let him use that and, and, and piece that together. Um, and it's really meant to be like a marriage. Yeah. Uh, in, our, in our marriages, when you, I mean, <laughs> my wife married an imperfect man. Uh, I think she's more perfect than what I am. Uh, but in that, we've learned to magnify each other's strengths and to cover each other's weaknesses. And that's yeah. really inside the body of Christ what we do. We are honestly, iron is to sharpen iron. We are to make each other better in the body. And so it's not that we're all just like each other or look just like each other, um, but rather it's all that we're followers of Christ and we express that in our day-to-day -day lives. And so that's, I love that verse as well. That's that. Chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. So I, I connect with you on that immediately. Yes, sir. Well, that's greatly analogous to athletics as well, because it everybody's is. bringing something different to the table. And it all has to combine for a winning combination. And so uh, uh, then the other thing that I did want to mention to you was I did raise three acres of burley tobacco when I lived in Tennessee. <laughs> You may not have known that about me. <laughs> I think I've forgotten it. <laughs> I did it one year, and the day that we cut it and hung it, I was at the top of the barn hanging it all day. And when I got down out of there, I felt like I smoked about 30 packs of cigarettes, <laughs> and I couldn't even breathe. So I said, that's no, the sir. last time I'm doing that. Well, you know, uh, that was, I, I went through that whole process. Yeah, that was part of our Eastern North Carolina culture for a long time. Uh, we don't advocate the use of it because we know how destructive it is. But in those days, we didn't we didn't know all those things, and so we you you kind of grinded out that living. Anybody that's ever worked in tobacco, and I can tell you this, uh, I don't I don't ever use anything with tobacco products. Certainly as a believer, but uh, you learn a whole lot about hard work. That's for sure. Oh yeah, so no doubt about you, that. You, that that was the good that you took away from it for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, kind of finishing up in, in uh, Corinthians, uh, well, 2 Corinthians, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one thirteen, uh, comfort and suffering. Yes, sir. So we're, we're going to finish with that. Yes. Yeah, so scripture right there is going to so 2 Corinthians opens up. So Paul's written that first letter to the church and he's really correcting problems in the church. He is giving them principles and he's giving them practices that will build a bridge over these problems. And there's so much that he was able through that first letter to correct. And uh, he was very direct with them. There were moments he was very compassionate, but he, he was very straightforward with them as well. And uh, when second Corinthians is written uh, now, what you have is you have restoration and you have reinforcement. So Paul is building now on a strong foundation in Christ and they've got many areas in order and they've corrected that. And they they've learned what it's like to live through some problems. Yeah. And in fact, the Bible right there in that passage, uh, chapter uh, one of Second uh, Corinthians opens up in verse four and lets us know that what we have learned personally by living through hurt, uh, 
disappointment, discouragement, adversity. What we've learned in the fire and the flame, what Christ has reinforced in us, what he's uh, brought us through that refiner's fire, we now are able to take and minister to others as, as they go through uh, that time of trying and that time of tribulation and, and, and the difficulty that just comes in, in the human life itself. And I, I don't care who you are, believer or not, you, you are not going to be immune or absent from facing uh, difficulty. In fact, so often in Paul's writing, especially the Church of Corinth, when he talks about, I actually read this this morning, when he, when he talks yeah. about comfort, is comfort in, in there is not actually, Jeff, in that t- context, comfort is not just feeling better or maybe having a better attitude about something. And we, and we know the attitude is the atmosphere of our hearts, uh, and, and we do need to have a right attitude. But comfort there speaks of Christ coming to where we are and standing with us in the storms of life that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so that type of comfort gives us a hope that's beyond circumstantial. It's not just what I'm facing or what I'm going to have to deal with. Because sometimes in our lives, it's going to get more difficult. Uh, It's going to get darker before it gets better, but it's, it is going to get better. But, but the Lord, if Paul lets them know there that he, he gives comfort for every storm, for every trial, for every, for every tribulation or tragedy, um god always gives us gives out his grace and his mercy and he always even when we're going through our most trying points of our life he always anchors us he never leaves us nor forsakes us and we we learn that in such a way that we share that with other believers and not only do we share it we show it to one another and how we love and serve each other in our times of difficulty so that's great 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 way to connect on that today for sure it's the same way an athlete somebody's just had a bad play somebody's missed a field goal, somebody's fumbled the ball, somebody's blown an open layup, somebody's dropped a, you know, an, a, a ball in the outfield. The ability to get that, that, that individual, put your arm around them and say, listen, I've been there, I've done that. Let's shake it off. Next play. Um, right. That encouragement is, is really uh, that same type of encouragement is what Paul's hitting right there in the text when he's writing to them. Yeah. It's really kind of crazy in my own life. Uh, and I, I don't know, sometimes I ask myself, maybe I'm just stupid or what? Because uh, no, sir. Uh, like <laughs> you're when, not when stupid at all. Work and, and things would, you know, like you might be chasing somebody with a gun or there's a lot of things that happen. And then, uh, you know, the kind of the bouts of some serious things I've had physically, yes. you know, ended up in a hospital, whatever, uh, you know, my melanoma and so forth. And, and for and for some reason, I'm always asking myself, why was I never scared? Why? Why? I mean, it's almost like uh, I just knew I was okay. I, I just, That's you know, right. just somehow knew that God was with me and I was going to be okay. And I mean, uh, I I just think that uh, I've thought about that a whole lot, you know, about those times. Amen. And and I'm just thankful you know, that God gave me the confidence and, and, uh, was there with me, uh, to, to get through those times. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I really believe there's power there in prayer for sure. No question. And, and I, and I know you prayed for me a couple of times and I know your prayer was very powerful and I really appreciate that. Yes, so let's sir. just finish with, uh, uh, we'll finish today with what it means to be walking in the spirit 
and uh, and maybe touch on the fruits of the spirit, and then we'll we'll close it out. Um, yes, sir. Uh, so the great thing about being a believer is when we get saved, we come into the the family of Christ, right? The family of God. Um, it's only by grace through faith that we come in this relationship. The Bible tells us that there is no other way to the Father except through the Son. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. So when we get saved, when we Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we live that out, um, and Scripture guarantees us now that we, we've been saved, it's not a salvation is not a feeling; it's a fact. Um, it's a fact before it's ever. It certainly does produce a feeling. So we're we're baptized into the family of God by by the Spirit of God, but then after that, it, it's living in the Spirit of God. And so you could, whenever someone gets up in the morning and they're getting ready and they're uh you know people drink coffee in the morning or they're gonna uh i'm a big water drinker myself and i'm I'm getting a whole you know turvis of water for that day to go to the office with me here at church or whatever um what are we doing we're taking something that's empty and we're filling it up and yet when we fill it up we're gonna we're gonna pull away from it throughout the day whatever i mean if you're drinking your coffee your water your lemonade whatever you may be having you're you're constantly in a process of taking away from what's in that and so what do you have to do again? You have to go back and fill that up. And so we find ourselves as believers understanding that Christianity is not outside in. Christianity is inside out. Uh, I give my soul to the Lord, my spirit. Uh, I am the Lord's. And so I have that that fountain of, of Christ overflowing and filling me. And I have to I have to let the old me go every day. It's an everyday journey. Um, and the new me, the new person I am in Christ through the Spirit of God, flow through me, literally, and everything I say and do. And there is a there is a, a an intentional yielding that we have to have that we let the old man die and let the new man come to life. Well, you know, Paul is so good in Galatians when he talks about what is the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I won't go through all of them because of time's right. sake, but what, what marks yeah. a believer, what should be flowing out of our lives? Love. Even when I don't agree with somebody, even when they're the worst of sin, I may not love their sin, but I can love them. I can love the sinner. We're taught to do that. Uh, love. And there's joy, right? And joy, joy is beyond circumstances. Right. Okay. Joy is what I have knowing that I'm, I'm because of the grace of God. I'm right with God. There's there's yeah. what you said, peace. I, You know, I prayed for you in the hospital. You yeah. prayed for me in the hospital. That what I echo what you just said of, of two back surgeries over two and a half years. Um, man, the peace that God gives you in your spirit uh, of just knowing that things are going to be right and and so much there of long suffering and meekness and temperance. Um, and, and that doesn't happen just uh, in, in one day. And that, that happens over a consistent everyday walk with Christ. It grows in you. It grows through you. And uh, we're called to bear fruit, more fruit and much fruit. And uh, to be that person who is spirit filled and have the fruit of spirit in our life, uh, man, we, we are one, we're blessed ourselves, but we can be a blessing to so many other people. It, it's just uh, that is the joy of walking with Jesus right there. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up today. Uh, I just wanted to mention to you, uh, if you would, uh, uh, Pastor, if you would pray and, and uh, maybe add this name to your prayer list. Uh, for the congregation, Stephen Brady, who played for us in 91 and was, you know, he was 
really tough kid, really tough player. Uh, uh, he's been battling colon cancer. And, uh, you know, he's from Washington, North Carolina, I believe, somewhere in that area. Yep. Uh, and I think his brother's a judge, might still be a judge. But I just remember him, like, flying around on special teams, like, you know. Yes, sir. It's really annihilating people. And uh, so if you would just – let's just pray for him. And then uh, uh, we will continue with some more segments. Yes, sir. In the epistles. And so uh, this is Jeff Connors uh, wrapping it up today with Absolute Empowerment and also ArmoredLife.org. Uh, God bless and join us next week. Thanks a lot. Amen. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!